Hello and welcome to the Intro Z Football Discussion. My name is Simon and on this show I discuss the current football news stories and give my opinions on them. On today's episode I look ahead to the weekend's football fixtures. I give my predictions on every one of the Premier League fixtures as well as giving an overview on the Bundesliga, La Liga, Ligue 1 and the Championship. These episodes are recorded live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash and you may hear me reading out comments and answering questions from the live chat there. To get your questions answered and have an input make sure to follow the channel on Twitch to receive a notification when I go live. The other way to keep up to date with the show is to follow me on Twitter at into underscore row underscore Z. Thanks very much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to tonight's episode. Um, this is the very first episode where I will be doing my weekend preview. So this is the Intro Z weekend preview show um, where I will be discussing all the Premier League games that will be coming up this weekend as well as touching off the other main leagues in Europe um, apart from Serie A this week which is not kicking off until next week so we look at the Bundesliga we look at La Liga we look at Ligue 1 we'll touch on the championship and have a brief look around the other leagues in Europe also so when it comes to discussing the Premier League the first game of the season is tomorrow night Friday 8pm Arsenal are playing Brentford I obviously have a vested interest in this as a as a diehard Arsenal fan and and I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to it or if I'm terrified about it if I'm being perfectly honest I think that if I in terms of playing a newly promoted team away from home the first game of the season is the worst time to play them um no matter what team it is no matter what league you're you're looking at Playing away from home against a promoted team in the first game of the season is always going to be a difficult thing to do. It is going to be made increasingly tough by this is the first because this is the first time that fans will be back at the ground in probably eighteen months, and in this in the case of Brentford, it's their first time in top flight football. And I I can't give the exact figure. I should have looked that up beforehand. But we're talking. It's been quite a while since they were since they were there, and their place is going to be absolutely buzzing. So I think it's probably the worst time that that Arsenal could be playing Brentford. Um, And I think Arsenal as well are coming into it on the back of, while we ended last season very well, a ropey pre-season with a loss to Spurs and a loss to Chelsea before that, um, whereby there's a bit of fan unrest calling for transfers to be made. We've got a bloated squad for players that we can't get rid of. It's not going to be a nice time to to play them. And Dune is saying there in the, the chat that Brentford will shock some teams this year. I think they will as well. Um, and I think that if they can if they can get ahead of steam at the start of the season and start picking up a few wins early days, it will definitely do them. It'll go a long way to helping them. If they go four, five, six weeks without picking up three points, it does become increasingly difficult as all the other teams start to pick them up um, around you and then you've the the weight of the relegation zone on you and ev- on your shoulders in every game that you go into and it does get more difficult but I think that they'll they, I don't think they'll change their philosophy and I think they'll go at every team that they're there and I think certainly any team any of the the, the bottom half teams they, they'll they'll give them a good rattle and I think they'll be entertaining to watch which is which is fantastic as well. Um, and I think as well as the fact that, look, they're, you know, they're going to be absolutely buoyant on the back of a, a playoff win. They're going to be at home with their fans coming back for the, for the first time in such a long time, their first time in the Premier League itself. They're going to take some confidence from Arsenal's away record last season. Um, Arsenal won 10 of the 19, uh, drawing three and losing six. So it wasn't exactly, you know, impeccable. Um, and I think that, 
if you're Brentford, you're looking at it going, a, a point from this game will be outstanding. It's a free point, essentially. I think that that's the way they would be They would be looking at it. So I think they'll look at the form that Arsenal had last season. They'll look at the pre-season, the, the recent pre-season form, and they'll, they'll take all that into account and say, you know what, we, we can get something out of this. Now, the other side of it, as I mentioned, is if we're taking pre-season out of it and we're looking at competitive football, Arsenal won four of the last five away games um, last season and they drew the other one. So they, we did finish last season on a high in terms of our away form, but it's can you bring that into this season? I think that your your preseason form is probably more relevant um, than your your end of season form. Not that I look too much when it comes to results in preseason overall, um, but certain trends in terms of conceding from set pieces and not being able to keep clean sheets did pop up continuously throughout preseason. So. Those things you can definitely look at, even though the individual performances and team performances aren't exactly the be-all, end-all. It's you know, it's it's all about tomorrow night. Nobody cares about preseason if you win tomorrow night, and that's the the bottom line with it. So, I think Arsenal improved as the season went on. Obviously, there's a lot of talk that when we introduced the number ten last season, um, if you look at the table from that point on, how different it would have been, etc. But the bottom line is that prior to that, Arsenal were not good enough. Um, so I think that it's we had good form at the end of the season can we carry it over it's going to be difficult the team does look a bit unbalanced um, if we're going to go with a starting lineup that has Aubameyang on the left Pepe on the right and Lacazette up front all three of them are goal scorers they're, they're finishers as opposed to creators so what that means is that you're relying on Smithrow on his own essentially and maybe Tierney coming in at left-back then as your only creators. So when it goes out to, to Aubameyang on the left, he's going to want to play it to somebody and make a move inside so that they can they can try and make a chance for him. Lacazette, when he gets it, wants to play the ball off, move into the box. Pepe, when he gets it out wide, he's either going to try and come in and get, get a shot away or else he's going to use the full-back, play it back and try and get into a scoring position himself. So they're not, they're, they're not going to be your key assist players. Um, makers throughout the season they're the people that you want on the end of it so if you have three of them there and you only have Smith Rope as essentially as that creator there there's there's not a lot of balance in the team there's a lot of pressure putting him which is why a lot of the time the ball is going to go around in a U shape where Pepe gets it he can't get away for the shot so he'll play it back it goes all the way over to Aubameyang he's in the same situation he can't come in to get the shot away he plays it back and it goes around like that without actually penetrating into the box and getting a clear cut opportunity so that's something that that will need to be to be addressed as the season goes on 100%. But for tomorrow night, I think it's all going to be down to, to attitude and application. There's no doubt that Brentford will be up for it. But the bottom line is that if Arsenal play their, at their very best and Brentford play at their very best, Arsenal will win. So it's all going to be down to, to, to what team shows up, what team wants it more. And if Arsenal do turn it on, um, and have a good game I would expect them to win um, so my prediction for Brentford versus Arsenal tomorrow first game of the season Friday at 8 o'clock I'm going with an Arsenal win just I think it'll be close I don't think it'll we'll walk away we'll run away with it or anything like that but my prediction is Arsenal to win um, and I'm just looking in chat there do you think it's time for Pepe to turn up this season to be fair I think Pepe turned up last season Um he didn't start every game He um, and when he did I thought he was very well involved his form towards the end of the season was fantastic I think he finished up the season with 10 goals and I think 10 goals 1 assist which kind of highlights what I'm saying there he's more of a goal scorer than a creator but 
I I genuinely think he could have a very very strong season. Um, double digits goal, definitely double digits goals in the league, and hopefully a bit more. Um, you got the Sounders winning the MLS. I'll be honest with you, I do not know enough about the MLS at all. One guy, if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be giving my opinion on that, and that is perfectly truthful. When I turn on the MLS to watch it, it is generally um, late on a Saturday or Sunday evening where I'll put it on, and I'm not keeping up to date with. Uh, an awful lot when it comes to the table who's winning what's the form guide is if i'm being perfectly truthful so if you're if you're looking for a tip on the mls i am the wrong person to ask i'm afraid <laughs> moving on to the next game then the premier league so the early kickoff on saturday is going to be united man united versus leeds and i think this could be the game of the weekend and i probably shouldn't say that because we all know the curse of the early kickoff on a saturday but i think it is going to be an absolute cracker um i mean we're talking about old trafford is going to be you know full for the first time and i'll, I'll address i'll probably say this a few times this week and next week and for the weeks going on about the having the, the fans back in full stadiums because it, it does mean so much and it is so important but i do think that it is i think it's going to make a big difference having old trafford full it's going to be electric you know the the, the rivalry between man united and leeds is is clear for all to see it's clear for all to see and it's the first time since they got promoted that we're going to see that with the fans there because they weren't there that le- there last season so it's going to add a bit of an extra bite to the to the match it's going to add there's going to be a bit more of a, a crunch in the tackle that comes in it, it's going to mean that bit more um you know we're going to see even the refs for the first time having the the fans on their back with every decision that's made it's going to make such a difference and it's going to add so much to the atmosphere and i think united and leeds is one of those games that we looked at last season where you would have loved the fans to have been there. Uh, you'd have loved to have um, seen the the anger when things weren't going their way and the the joy when it wasn't. So it is one of those games that I think it will make a massive difference too. I, I can't see Sancho starting for United, if I'm being honest. I think they'll probably go with the the, the same team as last season um, in terms of all the familiar faces. Varane hasn't even been officially announced, so he's not going to be eligible, especially having not trained, etc. So I think it'll be quite a familiar team to, to what United would have played last season. And that team was quite weak at home last year. Now, again, can you really go on the form guide as much in terms of home and away form when there wasn't fans? Probably not as much, let's be honest. I mean, the whole purpose of you know home advantage is that you have the fans on your side, you're in a familiar situation, you don't have the travel to worry about, etc, etc, but the fans are one of those key parts. So I think it will have affected it, but it's still interesting to look at it and to, to put it into consideration. And United only won nine of their 19 home games last season. They lost six. And you compare that that they were unbeaten away from home. It's a, it's a pretty interesting statistic when you when you, when you you look at it that way, considering most teams are going to be there, going to be strongest at home. And I think when you look at Leeds last season, they always had exciting games um, every time I watched them it was just a joy and I think of their game against United there was it was goals galore that was their first game of the season was against Liverpool that was absolutely fantastic as well so there's there's so much going on there that I think it's it just has all the potential to be an absolute belter and I think it, it's my prediction I think for the game of the weekend I think it's going to be the the best match there um, and an interesting one on that is that Leeds they don't do draws <laughs> in away games. They won 10 and lost 9 last year away from home. So they will go for it. If they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. But they will not 
go down without trying. I can't see them trying to, if they go one up, protect the lead and sit back. That is not how they play. They are going to go for it. So I think it's going to be an abs- an absolute corker. And again, the Leeds team, similar to United, is probably going to be the same as it was last year. I mean, the only real, I suppose, signing that they brought in was Furpo, um coming in at left back. I know Jack Harrison was made permanent, but he was part of the squad last year. Um, and they brought in a, a new keeper, but I, I, I wouldn't imagine him to start. I think they'll stick with, um, is it Mielsa is, is his name? Or Mielsa, I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly. So I think that that's going to be... Game of the weekend. That's that's my prediction on that. And you know they should. They say you should never back the early kickoff. And here I am saying it's going to be game of the weekend. So I don't know. Um, I I might be jinxing it. Um, already or else the the early weekend is going to ruin what would have otherwise been. Or the early kickoff of the weekend is going to ruin what otherwise would have been the the game of the weekend potentially. But my prediction for that one is I think United to win it. And again, similar to Arsenal beating Brentford, I'm going to go just. I think it's going to be close. I think I think that Leeds will push them. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a straightforward win, we'll say. I think that Leeds will push them. I think it'll be a good game, but United to win it just. Then we're coming into the three o'clockers on Saturday. And th- this in itself, actually, I cannot wait for. Um, last season... With COVID, with everything that went on, because fans couldn't be there, I think well done to the way that they changed the everything around by having all of the games on at different times that they could all be televised, that you could see, watch every game. It was fantastic for you know to be able to sit and watch every game. It was it was it was brilliant. But there's something about three o'clock on a Saturday and having an abundance of games on at once and having all the scores popping up and trying to keep up with everything. And it's just there's it's just part of what football is. That the three o'clock on Saturday and all the fixtures playing, all the scores coming in live, keeping an eye on the results. It's it's just part of what it is. So the fact that we're looking at I think it's a five games being on at three o'clock tomorrow and you can't see everything because they're all on at the same time and having the, the joys of watching match of the day and then tomorrow evening to see all of the all of the goals and the highlights, you know, that's just part of football. And I spoke um, earlier in the week about last weekend having the the comfort of being able to watch um the championship um highlights show um on a saturday night and when you're a football fan those highlight shows on a saturday night are just so nice to have and i think that having these three o'clock kickoffs back means that we've that tomorrow and all oh the, the whole weekend i'm so i'm just i'm I, I cannot wait i'm absolutely buzzing for it dreading the arsenal match absolutely terrified but buzzing for the fact that football you know well and truly is back which is just fantastic and i love it so the first of those three o'clock games as i as i try to to get back from the tangent that i'm after going on there is leicester versus wolves now the leicester squad is looking good i um, i mentioned our when we did the, the transfer um, review and it was two days ago that I did the, the analysis on Leicester and I thought how their signings have been fantastic I did s- mention on that on other occasions I'm worried about their centre-back because of the Fafana injury that I said they only really have have Evans and Sayanchu there as starting centre-backs uh, Daniel Amarty has played centre-back more than I thought he had and he'd have been an option but it's looking like they're going to go in for Vestergaard now and I think it's it, it's all but done and dusted from the, the reports that are being released today so I think that'll make a big difference long term anyway in terms of them them getting 
a bit of cover there at the at the back. So I think the squad overall now is is really looking the the real deal. And I'm just seeing there avoiding relegation has popped into chat. Hello, sir. How are you? I hope you are doing well. Um. So yes, I think Leicester squad is looking good and. The Wolves squad, I think, is a decent is a decent squad, but I'm not sure how it's going to go on their new manager. And I think that it's going to be a change in system that they're going to have to adjust to. Um, it's great having the preseason, but obviously under Nuno, they had, you know, Nuno was there for three years, four years. Um, you know, getting them for the championship up to the Premiership, getting them into Europe, you know, stabilizing them in the, in the in the Premier League. So they're very used to that system, and a lot of the players would have been brought in to play that system and now all of a sudden it's it's going to be changed so it'll be interesting to see how it how it goes under the new manager and the other thing is that they've got um Jimenez back which is absolutely fantastic but is it going to be the same Jimenez that we had before that injury I mean the fact that he's back playing is an absolute you know joy after that collision with them um, after that collision with David Luiz in the game um you know and having a fractured skull is not nice is not nice um, I can imagine it's it's horrible. In fact, so I think that the him coming in, can he carry on the form that he would have had prior to that? Yeah, I think they they need it, and if he doesn't, they're in trouble. Um, they only scored thirty six goals last season, Wolves. Um, so there was only four teams worse than that, and three of them went down. So they need Jimenez to either come back to his best. Or they need somebody else to step up in that place. They need Fabio Silva to to step up um, and start getting those goals. They need to get other people contributing goals like Daniel Podence or, or Neto getting these goals more and more because otherwise they, they will be in trouble. And good evening, Cube. I see you in the chat. How are you doing, sir? Um, so that's a big thing that's going to come into play. So you've got Wolves saying, right, we need to get our... We need to increase our goal tally. We need to start... We need to, to start, I suppose getting goals from everywhere else in the pitch because if Jimenez isn't back to his best they can't be overly dependent on him I mean straight away his fitness levels can't have been what they were after such an injury there's no way that everything else could have could have kept up to the to the level that it would be required so they do need to address that they need to get they need to score more goals and they can't be overly reliant on Jimenez just in case he's not in that form and on the flip side of that you got a Leicester team who are coming into it on the back of a community shield win which I personally think is a friendly it's a pre-season friendly but at the same time you're there on merit of having achieved something the season before and it it's just a nice feeling look you know winning is a winning mentality is fantastic to have and success breeds success so having won that game at the weekend and going into this game first game of the season now they will be absolutely buzzing coming up against the Wolves team who won't be settled I'm sure I've no doubt that Wolves will probably be better in three months time than they're going to be this weekend so I think that it puts Leicester in a very strong position to go for it so for that reason three o'clock on Saturday Leicester v Wolves my prediction is a Leicester win Um, I think they'll have too much for Wolves and I think throughout the season I'll be saying Leicester win as a prediction for a lot of games if I'm being honest with you because I think they are I think the, the squad that they've assembled just adding to the to what was already a good team i think they've done absolutely fantastic work excuse me as i take a quick drink of water next game on saturday again three o'clock two games at the same time there's five of them it's great um, it's going to be chelsea and crystal palace and i think the chelsea squad is just going to be too strong under two since thomas tuchel came in chelsea have been nothing 
Shia fantastic. The one thing that they, I suppose, lacked last season was that clinical goal score. Obviously, as of today, the Romelu Lukaku deal has been confirmed. So they've got they've addressed that issue. He's not going to be available for for Saturday. Um, I don't think, but long term for the season ahead, he is going to make such a difference. He is going to make. 100% the difference into that Chelsea team because if you think of all the chances that they've been creating the way that they've been playing if they just had somebody to put the ball in the back of the net they would have done an awful lot better and I think that now that they have Lukaku they will have achieved that I know that he, as I said he's not going to be there now for this game against Palace and I think um, Hakim Zayek from his injury the other day um, against Villarreal in the Super Cup he looks to be to be out as well but the squad is just so strong they have so much depth. And I think that when you look at Palace, I think Palace have done a great, have had a great transfer window, getting a lot of players off the wage bill and and bringing in a lot of young, hungry players that I think will be very exciting this season. And I think Patrick Vieira is going to get them playing attacking football. But it's I don't think it's going to wash against the Chelsea team that is you know, reigning, cha- reigning European champions for a reason. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Vieira does go attacking against Chelsea because that's obviously the ethos that he wants to, to implement at, at, at Crystal Palace. That's the style of play that he wants to go with. That's how he sees his team playing. But does he go with a pragmatic approach in the first game against Chelsea? Does he go for it hell for leather? Um, and if they get battered off the park, does it then damage the confidence? And is there... Uh, do doubts start creeping in into the the belief in the system and i know it's only one game but these this is how things go and when you're in when you're in a position like crystal palace are when they've invested in the squad and they've invested an awful lot of money in their academy they need to make sure they stay in the premier league they need to keep them the premier league money coming in um so as fantastic as it is for them to to be playing attacking football and to be going for it if they play against chelsea and get hockey it's not going to be the end of the end of the world this is a way to Chelsea is a free swing for most teams in the Premier League and if you can get something out of it it's absolutely fantastic but if then the next week it does it it doesn't you know attacking football doesn't work and the week after at what stage does it become something so it'll be interesting to see if, if Patrick Vieira goes for it um, and tries to set up his team to to attack Chelsea and if he does can can they break through to, you know will they will they catch Chelsea out by maybe going that bit more offensive it'll be interesting to see but I Look at it this way. I'm not going to be judging Crystal Palace on this game. First game of the season away to Chelsea. Whatever the scoreline, whatever the performance, it's certainly not a game that you're going to judge them on. As I said, it's a free swing. I think Chelsea will have too much. For me, it's a it's a Chelsea win all day. Um, I can't look look beyond them on this. So I'm going to go with a, with a Chelsea win against Palace. And that leads us to the next game, which is still Saturday at 3 o'clock, as we love to see. And that is Watford versus Villa. So this one, I think, is um, it's going to be an interesting one because I think that Villa will get better as the season goes by. I think, similar to Arsenal, they won't want to play Watford away. Or they won't want to play a promoted team away, I, sh- I should say. Um, for the same reasons, you know, coming in on good form, buoyant on the promotion, fans back in the stadium. All of these things are going to contribute to Watford being up for this game more than they will be for a game in, in three months' time. Um, so it's certainly not the time that you that you want to be playing them. Um, and as I said, especially away from home with that. And I think that when you... The, the reason I think that it's going to be more of an even contest than it would suggest because I think Villa have a better squad and I expect Villa to improve as the season goes on. But when you look at Villa last year, when Grealish didn't play, 
they weren't the same team. And they, that, like that was proven in the points per game. It was 1.7 points per game they got when he played. It was one when he didn't. That like that's a that is a big difference. So they're st- even though they've brought in Leon Bailey, they brought in Danny Ings, um, they brought in Emi Buendia, they won't have fully settled into the team yet. So I imagine that the Villa approach as a team is probably going to be quite similar without Jack Grealish this season as it would have been without Jack Grealish last season until they find their feet and until they get going. So I think until they settle in, until they become more familiar, they might struggle a bit at the start, but they'll gain momentum as the season goes on. And that's how that's how I see it happening for, for Villa. And that's my, I suppose, my prediction on it. Like, I think if you put it down on paper, the Villa team is the better team. Um, as I say, games aren't won on paper. And I think that because of the circumstances, Watford are going to be absolutely bang at it and ready to go. Um, and first game back of the season, I think it's going to be tricky. I don't think, as I said, if this game happened in three months' time, I think I'd be looking at it as a Villa win um, on the assumption that Villa perform in the way that I, I would expect them to over over time as the season goes by. But because it's so early on, because of the fact that the circumstances are against them, they've been dealt a, a tough hand in the away fixture first game, I think this one's going to be a draw. Um, I think that Watford Villa, I'm I'm going with a draw. That's my, my prediction for it. Next game on Saturday at 3 o'clock, we have Everton versus Southampton. And... I mean the the fans of both of these squads right they both of these teams right now are probably very underwhelmed on how the the transfer window has gone for both of them um but I think that Everton based on the squad that they had last season and keeping it together have a stronger squad going into this season and I think that ev- like I I think Everton should be going all out for the win in this game starting off the season at home and Benitez's first game it's going to be massive but we know he's a cautious manager. And I wonder, is he going to go into this game overly cautious or is he going to overthink it, overplan it and, and just shoot himself in the foot when the best approach is very much to go into this game and just go at it to win it. That's that's how, if I'm an Everton fan, you're looking at it going, just go at it. Get Dominic Calvert-Lewin at them. Get him, get him running at it. Play attacking football. Get down the wing. Get the ball in the box. Just put Southampton under pressure. Try and pin them back. And if they can do that, I think Everton win the game. I think if Everton start play on the front foot, they will be there to to win. The, Southampton are there for the taking. They've lost Danny Ings, and they've brought in Adam Armstrong, who look could be a fantastic player. Um, he's scored goals for fun with Blackburn. But he's never played in the, in the Premier League to the best of my knowledge. And if he did, it was much younger in his career when he did it. He's coming in to try and replace a guy who got 40 goals in two seasons. You know, it's it's a it's a big ask to, to get him in there to, to, to replace those goals. And he's just joined the club. He's trying to settle in. Vestergaard, who was so important for them at the back last season, is on his way to Leicester. And he's out. James Ward-Prowse, the club captain, has been linked with a move to Villa. And apparently isn't happy and would be, would be open to moving. The t- Ryan Bertrand, who would have been their starting left back and had been has been there for, uh, you know, he he must have been there for what seven eight years maybe, has left the club on a free. They've lost a lot of leadership. They've lost a lot of key men in the squad. They are there for the taking. Everything just needs to, need to go at it. And as well as that, not only 
at the squad in turmoil with everything that I've said there. Last season, they were the third worst in the league away from home. They lost 11 of their 19 games away from home. So, and that was with a better squad than we're, we're saying they have now. So, and that was without having fans at the home ground. I just can't see now how they go at it. Now, the only thing is Southampton started the season very well last year. And whether it was the way that Hasanud had them playing, whether they burnt out, I'm not sure. I, I know that even as games went by, they were always a much better team in the first half compared to the second half. That's how they played last season because the intensity they went with as the game went on, they were more susceptible defensively by comparison to early stages of the game. So maybe the fact that it's early in the season, they you know they might be up for it. They might have a bit more in the tank for it, but... If I th- I think if, if I was an Everton fan looking at this game, I would be saying if we don't come out of this game with three points, we've dropped points. And in the Premier League, you need to pick up all the points you can get at every occasion you can get them. To me, Everton have to go out. They have to attack. They have to win it. And I, I can't. I, I have to go with an Everton win. And I think the only thing that's going to cost them will potentially be, as I said, Benitez overthinking it or going in overly cautious, which is not the approach for this game. I think it's, you got to go gun-ho to, to get the, the win on the opening day. So my prediction for Everton versus Southampton is an Everton win. The last of the three o'clock games on Saturday is Burnley versus Brighton. So this, to me, this is probably going to be the most underwhelming game of the weekend. That's, that's what I imagine. And to be fair, I loved watching Brighton play last season. But I just think the way that this is going to be set up, I'm putting it down as... I, I said United-Leeds is what I expect to be the best game of the weekend. I think Burnley-Brighton is the one I'm going to put down as to be the, the closest to a boar fest. Um, it might still be a good game, but the others might just be amazing. But I, I, I it would be the... If I had a choice of any game... That if I could only miss one of the games, this would be the one I'd be missing. Look at it that way. And um, like the Burnley team is pretty much the exact same as last season. They they got rid of one um, Ben Gibson. They brought in Nathan Collins. They've just sold and replaced a centre back. Is all, is all they've done in the in the in the market at the moment. Brighton still haven't signed a striker. Um, I think had Brighton signed a striker, or even early in the window, even you know three four weeks ago. If Brighton had signed a striker, I would be looking at this going, okay, now I'm excited for this game to see can Brighton put away the chances that they've been creating over the over the past year. Um, because obviously their their XG versus actual goals was there was such a disparity between the two. It was absolutely crazy last season. So had Brighton brought in that a clinical goal scorer, this game I think would have a very different look to it. But without that goal scorer, I expect it to be a case where Burnley will sit back, try soak it up, play a bit more direct. Brighton will have three defenders up against two strikers in in Burnley. I think the midfield might be bypassed a lot by Burnley. When Brighton get the ball, they'll try and get it into the midfield um, t- to get the ball forward and dominate the possession. But Burnley will drop back into a very solid formation and it'll be half chances that are fed to the strikers. I see them kind of canceling each other out and I see it a bit as a, as a damn squib if I'm being honest with you. I just don't think it's going to be, I just don't see it being the, the match you'd want to watch. Um, look at it this way. If it was, if it was on the Sunday, it certainly would not be a super Sunday. That's the way, that's the way I'm going to look at it. But 
for that reason, because I see them them cancelling each other out more than anything, is is probably the way that I that I see it happening. Uh, for that reason, I'm going to go with a draw. So I'm going to go Burnley Brighton Saturday three o'clock. Going to be a draw. The last game on Saturday then is Norwich versus Liverpool, which was the first game that Norwich had. Last time they got promoted as well, it was a it was a Friday night game, if my memory is right, and I can remember thinking Norwich haven't changed the way they're playing. They're they're playing the exact same way they played in the the Championship, and they were getting at Liverpool, and then Liverpool's quality shone, and they kind of ended up winning it. I think it was, I think they put three past them anyway, if my memory is right on the on the night. But I can remember thinking, you know what, Norwich will be a good team to watch this year, and they were. They were involved in in some fantastic games, and only a couple of weeks after that, they beat Man City um, in a month where I think Timu Puki won Player of the Month. So it, you know, everything was everything was rosy in the garden. But every time I hear of, every time I think, I should say, of Norwich and Liverpool, all I can imagine is Liverpool picking up the phone, uh, getting on to Diego Diego Simeone right now, and saying, "Look." Can we have Suarez back on loan just for one game? Because I don't think I've ever seen a player love playing against a certain team like Luis Suarez loved playing against Norwich. So every time I see Norwich-Liverpool, that is all I can think about. That is all I can think about Um, were some of the goals that he was scoring against them. Um, I know that there's, there's some teams that just always seem to concede goals no matter what but in terms of one player versus one team um scoring goals i think luis suarez versus norwich is the is the one it's it's the one that'll always stick out in my mind anyway and um, but i do expect norwich to give it a go against liverpool i expect very similar to what we had 2 years ago when they first came up where they said we're going to play our game we're going to just go for it we're going to do our thing and we're going to we're going to take you on um, we might not, we might not have the the same level of quality. We might not have that, but this is how we play football. I don't expect them to try and sit back because they're not built to do that. It's not something that they do regularly. So if they try and sit back against Liverpool, it's going to be a disorganized defensive approach, which will probably invite Liverpool on more, and Liverpool will end up absolutely walking away with it. I think that their approach is going to be if we can get a bit of luck and we can take our chances, we might have a chance. And I hope that's how they approach it. Because it leads to a good game of football, uh, with plenty of goals. So that's what that's. I expect Norwich will do that, but I think when the dust settles, Liverpool will have too much for them. Liverpool have look, they've they've a much stronger squad. Let's let's be honest about it. And I and I imagine Liverpool to very much be up there um, at the top of the table this season. I think that in my in my opinion, the top four is going. It's going to be the two Manchester clubs, Chelsea and Liverpool. The order is up for debate. But I think that's going to be the top four. And the closest to that outside of it, I see being Leicester, but I can't see them breaking in ahead of those four teams this season. Um, If I'm being honest with you, Liverpool obviously didn't have the best season last season, but they also had an awful lot of injuries to key players for long periods of time at the same time. And it did put them in an awful position. And I know that every team has injuries and, you, you know, you can't really use it as an excuse. But I thought some of the results that they were still managing to get, even with those injuries, were, were superb. Um, even though the, the Aston Villa defeat was prior to the, the Van Dyke injury as well um, last season and w- that absolute mad game. Um, and I think it was the same day as the Man United Spurs game, if my memory is right, where 
Um, was it Spurs beat United 6-1? <laughs> and then Villa beat Liverpool 7-2. Just crazy. But that's neither here nor there. I do expect Liverpool to be there thereabouts when it comes to into the league this season. I think that... I know they haven't strengthened that much. They brought in Ibrahim Kanate. Now they need to get some centre-backs out on the back of it. But I do think that the squad is still good enough that the squad that won the league two years ago is still there. It's still the core squad. If they can go on a good run and get going, 100%, they're going to be there, thereabouts. And I think that when it comes to it on Saturday, it's going to be far too good a team for Norwich. And I'd expect them to, you know, you're expecting two or three goals to go past Norwich anyway, if we're, if we're being brutally honest on the, on the day. So for that reason, my prediction, Liverpool win. And then we're going to be on to Super Sunday. Um, which even sounds great to say, um, that we're going to have two games on the Sunday and they'll be the final two games of the, the Premier League weekend. First of those games is Newcastle and West Ham, Sunday at two o'clock. And I, get, I mentioned earlier with, uh, with Arsenal, I've mentioned it with West Ham about maybe not being too happy with how a, the transfer window has gone. Um, to date, I probably I probably mentioned it with Everton as well, and not being too happy with how the the transfer window has gone. I think when you look at West Ham and you look at Newcastle, you've got two teams who probably the two most underwhelming transfer windows um, of the of the, the the Premier League so far. Um, they're basically going to be both teams are going to be starting off the the season with the same squad as last season, except for the loan signing they had last season that made the big impact so when you look at Newcastle Joe Willock went there on loan made an absolute huge impression so much so that the I suppose there's been an agreement now done and the the deal is as good as done I think the personal terms has been agree- have been agreed I don't know if he's going to be registered in time I'm saying all of this with the assumption that he won't be registered on time because the deal hasn't been completed yet and I'm pretty sure it has to you have to have your players in by is it 12 o'clock tomorrow I think for them to be eligible for the the weekend in terms of registered for the squad. So I'm making this on the assumption that he's not there. And Jesse Lingard obviously is back at Man United and he had a fantastic season with West Ham. So you're taking the two, I suppose, shining uh, players, the you know, the, the golden boys from both teams, and you're taking them out of the, the squads and that's what you're left with. Um, West Ham have brought Ariola in on loan. Um, whether he'll start ahead of Fabianski, I don't know. But that's the difference that you're you're talking. So, I and that's fantastic because you're going to say, well, West Ham managed to finish sixth in the league with that um, exact squad. You know, apart from Lingard, they can't be doing that bad. That West Ham team, I think, did overperform. Um, and I think the West Ham, if I'm to look at it, I think are the the stronger of the two squads. And that's being truthful. I, I really do think they are. But I. I wonder will they be able to carry on what they did last season um, it was superb what they achieved under Moyes last season but that's the time to add to it and look I expect that a particular early in the season before the Euro- before Europe starts that West Ham will probably be in in a better run of form from then on um, but I think as soon as Europe kicks in if they with the squad they have at the moment they will be in trouble but for this game on Sunday I think Newcastle won't be an easy game for them Again, I'm going back to the fans. St. James's Park being packed for the first time in, what, 18 months or whatever. They're going to, 
well up for it. The fact the Geordies are going to show up in force and they're going to be looking forward to it. And in particular, if Newcastle start well, if there's going to be a couple of crunching tackles early days that gets the the crowd in their feet, if Saint Maximum can get the ball and you know take a player on and make a run, and the fans get up the support in there, the place will be rocking. And Newcastle will definitely feed off of that. And I'm looking in the chat there. Dune says West Ham for a big win. I don't think so. I really don't. I think if I think if Newcastle start poorly, if West Ham get an early goal, potentially. Because the fans then, everything that I just mentioned a moment ago of the energy they can feed, the, the players will be able to feed on if something goes well. It will be the complete opposite to that. Where there will be nothing but negativity seeping onto the pitch for the players. And then... I could see it being the case where West Ham could could do well, could run away with it at that point. But Newcastle, for as much stick as they were given, for, you know, when you look at Steve Bruce, for as much stick as he was given, they finished 12th in the league last year. They had a good run of form there towards the end where they ended up picking up points against Liverpool, beating Spurs. They ended up staying in games and going forward. And if they can carry that forward, their end of season form is probably close on what, what West Ham's was. Um where West Ham were looking like they were going to be in a in the Champions League um, and a few games and then all of a sudden the whole thing changed for them. So I think they're probably more evenly matched maybe than the fact that you're looking at one finishing 6th and one finishing 12th last season. I think it's going to be a draw. My, my prediction, Newcastle, West Ham, I, I'm going with a draw. Um, Just because one or two early good points in the early at, in the early in the game and St. James's Park, absolutely rocking. Yeah, that I'm, go, I'm going with the draw. I'm going with the draw. And then the last game of the weekend is, on paper, probably the, the game of the weekend. Um, I know my prediction has been Man United and City and um, Man United Leeds, and I still think it will be. But on paper, you've got Spurs and Man City on Sunday at half four. I mean, that's what what a game to get first game of the week, first weekend of the season. I think. You know, these it's one of the games that you do look forward to. You know, any team that any game that's the I'm putting in inverted commas the big six. Um, any one of those games where it's against each other, it's always going to be hyped. They don't often live up to the hype, if we're being perfectly honest. But I think that the game on Sunday will be a good game. I I think I I'm expecting goals, and I'm expecting goals mainly from City. I. I said I don't know how Spurs are going to look this season defensively. Um, I know Christian Romero's after coming in. They've lost all their VRLs. Do they put? Do they start Christian Romero first game in the Premier League against Man City, or do you let him settle in? He's not there that long and bring it on first. If they don't play him, who do they go with? Do they go Eric Dyer and Davison Sanchez as your starting two centre backs? I don't think. I don't think anybody is going to put faith in those two if you're putting them in as your as your starting centre backs. I think that we we can all agree that they could certainly do an awful lot better than that. And if you're leaving out Christian Romero and you're putting any one of Dyer, Sanchez, Rodon, Tanganga in there, it's going to be a tough a tough game. Romero comes coming in as Syria centre uh, defender of the year last year. One hundred percent can make an impact. Is it too soon for him? Is he too, is he familiar enough with how they want to play? houses communication level which is so important for a center back and goalkeepers in particular and um, to be able to let people know what's going on i don't know so i think that their defense is having a weak defense and going to man city is just a terrible idea let's be honest and i think that that's where where i'd be worried for spurs if i was a spurs fan which thankfully i'm not 
And the other thing then is that I think Harry Kane's going to be a massive miss. You know, you're talking about the best striker in the league. Um, and it's as simple as that. So he's going to be a big, a big loss. And then that changes the whole system because you look at it saying, right, do you put it? Does Sun go through the middle? Where I don't think he's as good as, as when he plays on the left, where he is absolutely superb. And it's not that he can't play through the middle. He can, but I don't think he's involved in the game as much as when he plays out wide left. So I think that not only do you not have Kane, but you don't have the best of Sun either. So you're taking, it's, it's like a double whammy. Uh, but I would, like I'd imagine Deli Ali's going to play is just based on the fact that he played quite a lot in preseason. Or do you go with like a three-man midfield to try and counteract City? Or do Spurs go for it and try and catch them out? It'll be interesting. The only thing I will say with City is that are they going to go with a false nine? Is Gabriel Jesus going to start? How are they going to approach that way? I think that regardless of how they approach the game, they should be winning it. Um, But I think that whether or not they go with an out-and-out number nine could decide the number of goals they win it by, um, depending on that Spurs defence. So I think it's very much a case of how well can Spurs defend versus how well can City attack. And if Spurs can't defend well, if City are even at 60-70% of what they can do, it'll be too much for Spurs. If Spurs can put through a good defensive display and play you know, with a, with a quick counter-attack, City could be exposed. Um, and they could have that chance because if they go with let's say Bergwijn, Son and Mora as uh, as a front three what they do have in that is they have a lot of pace and they have guys who can get behind who can score goals so I think that if they go with, uh, with that type of an approach they have a chance but, it dep- but that then again as I said will depend on them defending well and having a strong defence which is where I would be worried if I was a Spurs fan and that's where I think their weaknesses are are going to be in particular against a Man City team that are just so clinical and will pull and drag players out of position constantly so that's why for that one I'm going with a prediction of a Man City win so to recap 10 games in the Prem- in the Premier League this weekend and I've gone with Arsenal winning against Brentford Man United winning against Leeds, Leicester winning against Wolves, Chelsea winning against Palace, a draw between Watford and Villa, Everton winning against Southampton, a draw between Burnley and Brighton, Liverpool winning against Norwich, a draw between Newcastle and West Ham, and Man City winning against Spurs. And I think, I had a quick check earlier, that it would be about 468 to 1. As as a tenfold accumulator, should anyone be interested in listening to my raw mating and putting a quid on it, I think it's about 468 to 1 is how it comes in, which is uh, just goes to show how difficult it would be to predict everything anyway. But if you were that way inclined, that's the way it would be. Not that I would encourage it. If you're not that way inclined, certainly, certainly, certainly do not and i am now going to have just a quick break um just going to run an ad break so that if anybody jumps into the stream that they're not going to be caught with any ads um as they join because it stops any pre-roll ads happening and i'm going to have a drink of water before we go around europe and start having a look at some of those leagues it won't be in the same level of detail as i've gone into just in the premier league but um i still do want to have a little look around them and see what's happening and what is the the plan for the fixtures around europe so i will be back in about 60 seconds. 
And welcome back. Whew. I am hydrated now. We are good to go. We're good to go. So, having a look around Europe, let's have a let's have a chat about that. So, excuse me, all that water. So, first league I'm going to look at the Bundesliga, uh, which is kicking off this weekend. Also, same as the Premier League. Tomorrow night, first game of the of the season. It's Bayern Munich playing against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And to be fair, that could be a cracking game. It's a, a great game to open up the, the season. I think that you'd expect Bayern Munich to dominate, as they do in the Bundesliga. Having won, I think, is it seven Bundesliga titles in a row? I think is it in and around that. But you'd expect Bayern to do- dominate the league. They're, they're going to be the team to beat. They've brought in Nagelsmann. So their closest team to them last season, they decided they'd get their manager and get the... You know their best centre back to come with them as well in Deo up up Meccano joining Bayern Munich, um. So it'll be interesting to see. The other thing is that Lewandowski now a year older can he replicate the form that he had last season, which was absolutely superb. So that'll be an interesting one to see. And if you look at at Gladbach, it won't be an easy game. Um, they started the season very well, they finished the season very well, but um, I think it was after the the winter break that they had in in January when they came back in February, they went on a run of losing x amount of games in a row that really really hit them hard because they were very much in the european um conversation at that stage and that terrible run of form cost them big time so they'll probably be saying look we need to start well um and again free swing against Bayern munich if i'm being honest with you i think it's i don't think there's any team in the league expects to win against um Bayern. um there's a good few will hope your likes your dortmund your leipzig Gladbach, Wolfsburg, you know, they'll hope to, to win it. But certainly there's there's nobody would expect to win it. So um I think it's a probably a a good test for them first game. And um I'd be hoping I'd be I'd love to see Bayern I'd love to see an upset. I'd like to see Gladbach get a win or or get a draw. Um I think it just immediately makes the league that bit more interesting if if Bayern have, have had a couple of points taken off them. Um so I think that it would it'd be great to see, but I I do think that Byron will will probably win it out, and as I said, I I would imagine that they will be pretty uh pretty unstoppable this season in the Bundesliga. But let's see how it goes. Stranger things have happened, and under a new under a new manager, it might not work. No matter how good the manager is, no matter how good the team is, sometimes it's just not compatible, and it might not work. But it'll be interesting to see. But I would imagine Bayern Munich will will fly it and do very well. Dortmund then are playing against Frankfurt on half five on Saturday. Which again is another cracking game to have first weekend of the of the season. I think Dortmund uh, Dortmund finished third, and I think Frankfurt finished fifth in the league. I think, um, if my memory is right. So, um, you know, absolutely fantastic. And they just missed out on the Champions League spots at that as well. Um, it was it was very close the way it was going. Um, towards the end of the season. Um, I think with about four games to go, it was it was really open, and, and Dortmund ended up making a, a a great run for it at the end and getting into that position into into third and Wolfsburg finished fourth as well um which 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 kept it interesting so you've got two teams that were you know there thereabouts last season I think that's going to be a really good game the only thing is Frankfurt have lost Andre Silva his goals obviously were were key to how they were playing last season so I think that without without him they've they've signed I think is it Rafael Borges the is the guy's name um that's going to make it a bit it a bit interesting. Uh, Fedesanti, thank you very much for the follow. Very much appreciated. Um, so I think that 
he's going to have to come in and hit the ground running because without those without those goals you know they're they're going to be in trouble they're going to be in trouble and welcome and thank you for joining in for the chat and i'm live right now in argentina did i pronounce your name correctly fedasanchi is how is how i went with um i'm hoping that's correct but there we have it i'm live in argentina right now and being watched and i pronounced it correctly fantastic well, welcome to the stream um i hope you do enjoy i'm just after going through the premier league and discussing the 10 fixtures there and giving my predictions on them and now i'm just doing a brief overview on the other european leagues um and and touching off those so yeah i think that's going to be a great game dortmund frankfurt going to be a cracker half five on saturday it's clashing with the the liverpool norwich game if you got two tvs get them both on um, have, have a look at them um i think they could they could both be very interesting games um wolfsburg starting off in a nice game so as i said finished fourth last season they've got a game against uh, recently promoted uh Bochum. so you would expect them to 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 win that one uh leipzig then are kicking off on the sunday they're away to mines so i think leipzig I, it's it Leipzig will be interesting to watch this season. New manager after Nagelsmann has lost has left. Apologies, they've lost their starting two centre backs. So they've lost up up Meccano. They've lost um Ibrahim Kanate. You don't want to be losing both. If you if they'd lost one this year, one next year, fair enough. You can you can rebuild like that. But losing both, it will be interesting because I think it's going to be tricky for them. Um, but I would still imagine that they'll do they will do absolute business uh, bits in the in the Bundesliga, and I would expect them to to certainly be in the the top four again this season even without Nagelsmann because of the squad that they have um I still think that they'll be there thereabouts and away to Mines, uh, it's one of those games that you'd be expecting them to win and I think that they'll be going into it saying we have to win we have to hit the ground running um in case Bayern Munich drop points against Gladbach or Dortmund and Frankfurt one of them is going to have to to drop points in this game so they'll want to, to get off to a winning start and I think there's a there's a bit of pressure on them to, to achieve that and um, Leverkusen then are playing against Union Berlin which I think will be a very interesting one it's 6th versus 7th last year Union Berlin were I think one of the one of the shocks of the um, I think one of the shocks of the the season last year if I'm being truthful um, because finishing 7th in the league I think a lot of the neutrals were really rooting for them and it was absolutely fantastic to see and I think it's going to be pretty tricky against against Leverkusen if I'm being honest with you um, even without Leon Bailey having left Leverkusen they still do have quite a quite a few good decent players they're going to be in Europe uh, this season so later in this season will the squad be a bit tired coming up on when they're having the, the two game two game weeks in a week potentially but as things stand at the moment i would imagine they'll get the win over union berlin if they don't union berlin all the way let them go on an absolute mad run and get into europe It'd be absolutely great to see for the for the bundesliga and for football in, in general it'll be absolutely fantastic so that's just a brief look on the on the bundesliga it'll be interesting to see how it does go and i think that a lot will be shaped on that first weekend in terms of t- certain teams could be under pressure after week one and depending how the results go for example if frankfurt were to to beat dortmund and let's say bayern were to beat bmg and leipzig were to win dortmund straight away have that those three points to make up it just even straight away off the bat there's they're under pressure and it's not outside the realms of possibility that that does happen because they're all tricky games so i'm looking forward to it and the bundesliga kicking off this this weekend and looking forward to that as well 
Um, just going to address a couple of the, the bits in chat there. So Fede Sanchez is saying, how do you see uh, Bielsa doing at Leeds? I, like, I mean, I've loved Bielsa at Leeds. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I think that with the, the new contract being signed, the, the place will be buzzing. Um, only a moment ago, I mentioned how I think that Leeds versus Man United is going to be the game of the weekend in the Premier League, um, with Leeds being bang at it. And I think that every game that, that Bielsa's Leeds have been in has been an entertaining match. They play at full throttle and 100% all the time. So certainly a, a massive fan of that. Just looking to the one guy asking about the Rapids. Unfortunately, I do not know enough about the MLS to comment on that, if I'm being honest with you. Um, and then with all the stars, how do you like talk about PSG with all the stars that they have? Um, you know, it they should be unstoppable in League 1. And... At that, with that said, I hope so much that they don't win the league because it would be such a massive upset for any other team to win the league this season. It was huge for Lille to win it last year. And um, when you consider the firepower that, that PSG had and the squad that they had, that was huge for them to do it last year. If they were to go two years in a row without winning the league, it would be absolutely insane with a front tree of Neymar, Messi and Mbappe. I can't see it happening. But it would be fantastic to to see that um, and to see the, the league on a bit more competitive. And I'll I'll come on to league on there in in just a moment as well. Um, the next one, I'm go- the next league I'm going to look at though is La Liga because similar to the Premier League and similar to Bundesliga, it is kicking off this weekend, and it's amazing that everybody's been talking about Messi leaving Barcelona. Everybody's been talking about Barcelona's woes. Everybody's been talking about the the deal that's been coming in in uh, La Liga in terms of a commercial investment of 2.7 billion for a percentage of the revenue back which Barcelona and Real Madrid are now looking to sue La Liga over they're looking at um legal proceedings over the whole thing nobody has been talking about Spanish teams playing football everything has been about the commercial side of it everybody's been talking about Barcelona are in financial trouble they can't pay their wages the super league was needed for Real Madrid and Barcelona to to stay alive um you know the the La Liga wage cap and the salary limits how does that work on the prediction of everything that goes with it the commercial deal coming in it's all commercials nobody has talked about football nobody has talked about football when it comes to the La Liga and Dune is saying that everyone should be talking about Espanyol well if Barcelona keep going the way they're going Espanyol could be the biggest club in Barcelona in no time it's interesting and what I what I will say is that with all the headlines being talking about Barcelona can't do this and Real Madrid are getting involved in that and Perez isn't shutting up Atletico Madrid are staying silent reigning champions staying silent I think that could be could be one to watch are they just saying let them fight and do what they want we're going to keep going here concentrate on the football put all of our focus into that show the players that we're united try and regain the title that's what I could be thinking and I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it. They're, they're certainly good enough to do it. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. But the first game of the season is is tomorrow night. It's Valencia and Getafe are, are playing tomorrow evening. And it's, you know what, it's it's very much kind of a, a mid-table game, if I'm being honest with you. Valencia, the name you expect to be to be so much more, but obviously with the financial woes that they're in and have been for years um, in terms of the finances at the club, they're just not what they were. So I you know, you, you can't expect them to be to be pulling up trees, unfortunately. Um though they do still have a lot of good players and it'll still be an interesting watch, no doubt. 
but just not at the level where you would have seen a few years ago when you had a Valencia team that was regularly in the Champions League. Um, and then on it's on Sunday that Atletico Madrid are kicking off. Um, they're against they're away to Celta Vigo. Celta Vigo, one of those teams that I've I've quite regularly watched and always liked. Um, I, I'd always I always enjoy watching Iago Aspas play for for Celta Vigo for the simple reason that I look at him play and go, is that the same player who when he was at Liverpool was ridiculed um, and considered so poor. And it just goes to show that footballers are human beings and it's not just a case of you're a good footballer, you can do it anywhere. If you've got somebody who's with a club that they care about, if they're in a country that they're they're comfortable living in, they will play better football by comparison to going somewhere and if they're not happy. And it just shows the, the impact that Every, like it's the same as anything in life you will do something better if you're happy if you're comfortable if you're enjoying what what it is that you're doing and it just goes to show that just because somebody doesn't have a good time with a club or has a bad spell somewhere don't necessarily write that player off because if they find the right situation they'll they, they can do well and I, I, it's just one of those things that i that always amuse me and i think that uh, Luis alberto is another one that you look at with uh with lazio he, he, again he was with liverpool and people going who is this guy? And then all of a sudden at Lazio, you're saying, oh, actually, this fella's a bit of a baller. Um, you know, it's just interesting how circumstances and situations can have such an impact on a player's performance. And we almost imagine that they're like robots, that if you can do it one in one place, you can do it somewhere else. If you can do it one season, you can do it the next season, that it's continuous. It's a given that, you know, everything happens there. It's not. There's so much more to it. And Dune in the chat saying Aspas is 34 now. He is indeed. Um, sure, his time at Chelsea must have been, must have been seven years ago, maybe. Was he? So I'd imagine, like, if he if he was there at 27, does that sound about right? Um, I mean, Klopp has been there for what five years, maybe. Nearly at this stage, that Jurgen Klopp has been with Liverpool. Am I right in saying that? So Aspas must have been a a, a bit before that. And obviously he's just, it was made famous by that, that one corner that he took um, against Chelsea, which is just, just one of the best clips you'll ever see. But um, but yeah, I think that, look, it's a tricky game for Atletico playing against Celta Vigo. There is, there is no denying that. But if you're looking to retain the title, if you're looking to go again, you know, regain your, your status as La Liga champions, that's what you need to do. You need to be winning these games. So it's a tricky game, but... As I said, Atletico Madrid have kept their mouths shut. They've gone about everything in the right way. I And I can imagine that the turmoil that Barcelona and Madrid in is what Simeone will be using to rile all the players up um, as well. And I can imagine he'll be focusing on that, saying they're at their weakest. We need to kick them while they're down um, and trying to fire everybody up. But I'm looking forward to that. That could be a, that could be a really good game to watch. Um, at uh, Real, Going to the other side of Madrid then and going to Real Madrid, they're kicking away to Alaves. Um, they're kicking off their season away to Alaves I can't see there being any problems there being honest with you I think that that's the type of game that should be bread and butter for Real Madrid and Real Madrid were actually the I think they were the best team in La Liga away from home last year if my if my memory is correct so I think that going away there shouldn't be an issue for them they've got plenty plenty um, depth in that squad even with a couple of injuries like Cruz being out or potentially one or two players maybe being late because of the Euros or whatever it might be, even though I don't think anybody would have got deep enough to, to maybe impact that. Maybe the Olympics might have had a, a bit more of it. I know the likes of Asensio was at the, the Olympics and stuff. So, But I can't see there being any problems for them. I'd expect Madrid getting the three points. And then Barcelona, on top of all of this chaos, Messi has left the club. The finances are in the gutter. 
Um, they're having to give up a percentage of their revenue because La Liga is selling out. Everything is it's it's war for Barcelona, and they have a very tricky start. They're at home against uh, Real Sociedad, who finished fifth last season. It is not an easy game. It is not an easy game. And I think that it's going to be quite a tricky start of the season for Barcelona. And I I wouldn't be surprised if to see Sociedad win and for the city of Barcelona to become for the for them to announce a state of emergency, um, the way the things will go. If Barcelona lose the first game, I think the fans will go absolutely bananas. They will go crazy. They, it will be a case of we've lost Lionel Messi we've got all of these overpaid players what has the club been doing how has this happened to our club why is Griezmann getting 300 grand a week why is Dembele getting 220 grand a week or whatever it is I think there's going to be apps they'll all have a conniption if they lose to Sociedad and it is very feasible that they do so we have seen it over the past what 17 years nearly <laughs> well maybe not 17 but certainly over the past six or seven years, Barcelona without Messi have been nowhere near the same team. Nowhere near the same team. So I think that it'll be a very interesting one. It'll be very interesting to see. And that's that's a game that could be worth watching or keeping an eye on. Barcelona, Real Sociedad, how's it going to go? Because I think... I. I I think Sociedad could could cause an upset, and again, in terms of motivating a, a team as a manager, you're just going insane. We're never going to get a better chance to beat Barcelona at the new Camp. Do it, do it, do it. So interesting one to watch. Uh, Sevilla then are at home to Rey Valcano on Sunday night. Can't see there being a problem for Sevilla there. If they can, if they play their best, they should win that Villarreal. They're not playing until Monday night, actually, which is very handy considering that the the Super Cup, which was on last night, went to went to extra time. Um, I'm, I mean that works out so well for them when you consider Chelsea are playing at three o'clock on a Saturday, and Villarreal aren't playing till Monday evening. I can guarantee if you went up to Thomas Tuchel and you said which would you prefer, he's playing Monday evening every day of the week. <laughs> So, and that's a bit of a boost for them. Um, and they're at home to to Granada, who who were decent last season. So, that could be a could be a decent game. And Real Betis then are are kicking away, kicking off away to recently promoted uh, Mallorca. So, that's how La Liga is is lining up. Um, as I said, the game to watch there, I think one hundred percent has to be Barcelona Sociedad. If you want to watch one game in La Liga, that's the one I'd be looking at, and. Uh, it, it could be a disaster. It could be one of those ones you want to watch with popcorn and look at it as a drama as opposed to a football match, maybe. Who knows? But that's... Look, it's great to have La Liga back, regardless. And I know that people are saying they've lost the star power. They've lost Ronaldo. They've lost Messi. I mean, when I was watching Barcelona last year, Ansu Fati was, was the main man I was looking for. And when he got injured, I was absolutely gutted. Um, and I think that hopefully there'll be a lot more players coming through La Masia Um getting into the first team as a result of these restrictions and I think that'll be that'll make Barcelona a more exciting team to watch if you have Ansu Fati if you have Pedri if you have Ricky Pudge if you have all these players coming in I think it'll make it more interesting um, and it'd be interesting to see if Villarreal can build on their European success last year and maybe make a push for the for the Champions League spot uh, but as of now I think Atletico Madrid to retain the title I think it would be I'd love to see it I think it would be absolutely fantastic um and let's see how everybody else goes because i think a lot of the teams in spain are now going to say 
this is the best time for us to try and get into the Champions League and hopefully prey on on weaker teams and hope that they're in they're in turmoil and uh, more so Barcelona than Real Madrid who I think have dealt with a lot better but at the same time they've also lost uh, Sergio Ramos and Varane they're starting two centre backs I mentioned it earlier with Leipzig they're both gone is how's that going to affect them long term I know that they've brought in David Alaba and they've got uh, let's say Millie Tau there whoever they're going to play play next to Alaba it's still not the same it's still not Sergio Ramos it's still not that leader that's there and I know that he missed a lot of last season but still the leadership qualities that he has um, and the, the time he was at the club the, you know I, I mentioned earlier as well that success breeds success and that mentality that you have Ramos was one of those players who would instill that in every one of his teammates as a captain who, you know who would who would die on the pitch for that win so it'll be interesting as I said if, if I was the likes of Sevilla if I was the likes of Villarreal um, if I was the likes of Real Sociedad, I think you're saying let's get into the Champions League this year. Let's let's rattle a few cages, um, and let's really really push on. And we've got we've got a good chance here. And I think if you're Atletico Madrid, you're saying just do what we did last season. Just keep it together. Don't get drawn into any controversies. Keep focusing on what we're doing on the pitch, and we have a chance of uh, of retaining the title. Next that we're, league that we're going to look at is League One, um, which kicked off last season or last season. It definitely kicked off last season. However, it also kicked off last week for this season, um, and it it's nice to be able to look as opposed to looking back to last season. You know how did everybody do in week one? So a bit of a, a different approach here, which is which is nice to do as well. Um, so tomorrow night is Monaco, which is it's a bit harsh actually playing on a Friday night because they did have a a game earlier in the week. I think it was Tuesday night. And I know that's the same as a Wednesday, Saturday, but you don't have to play on the Friday night. Give them the game on the Saturday. Um, considering they had Friday night the week before as well. Um, so they'd have, they'd have... Now, maybe that's the way that it works in, in France. They want to give them more time off before the, the European game, potentially. Um, but Monaco are through into the um, the next stage of the Champions League as they were in their qualifications for, I believe. Um, was it the Champions League or the Europa League? I'm trying to think now. Lille, PSG, and Monaco were the top three, so it would be the Champions League they were they were going for. Apologies, trying to do maths in my head there. Uh, but yeah, they're kick their way to to Lorien, um tomorrow night. They drew with Nantes last weekend in the in the first game of of League One, and uh, they started really well. I was I was watching. I was particularly impressed at a youngster called uh, Sofiane Diop, um, who actually scored the other night as well. But I thought he was very good early days against Nantes. Um, just one of these guys every time he got the ball left foot right foot looked like he was going to make something happen very quick feet always getting picking up the ball in and around the box was was really good and show Enrique at um, left back he actually got the assist in the game uh, if my memory is correct but I thought he was he was looking really good he doesn't have rapid pace for a left back but the way that they were set up he was always in space on the wide left and he was putting in a lot of um, crosses kind of not from the from the box but a bit deeper had a good delivery else he was coming in on the outside and cutting it back I was really impressed with him because I hadn't seen much of him um, previous to that um, but they started off brilliant and then they went completely flat they just didn't have have enough about them so they're going to be saying right we need to get our first win of the season another draw and they're, they're really in trouble early early days and I know it's mad to say two games in but if the likes of, of PSG get a win and you're four points behind them after two games you've got a lot of ground to make up you're at a situation where if it stays that way and you beat them and then when you play them you're still behind them so it's it's tricky it's tricky even early days so they'll definitely be going for the, that the, the win against Lorien and I think they have enough about them that they, they, they that they can do it um 
based on what I saw early days last week, but they just need to keep the pressure up and keep up the, the intensity because when they drop back, they just it was like so blunt up front when they did that. Um they were really in they were really in trouble. And scooters joined the chat. Hello, sir. I hope you are well. We're just having a quick chat about Legon um at the moment. Um so the next game then that I think could be a, a cracker is Lille and Nice. So that's on Saturday afternoon. Now, if you didn't see the Lille game last weekend, it was incredible. Um, where with, I think, all of 30 seconds, 40 seconds maybe on the clock, uh, Lille were down 3-2. And I'm trying to remember who it was they were playing. And I'm, I'm going to have to look it up now because I want to I want to get this right if my phone will load up. They were, it was like about 40 seconds to go. They were 3-2 down. And... The team who they were playing, da, 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 if I can open this up, it would make my life an awful lot easier. It was Mets they were playing. Fantastic. There we go. Um, they were playing Mets and a young striker for Mets got the ball on the edge of the box uh, with about 30 or 40 seconds to go and took a shot. Okay. Now, I, I was hoping Lille would, would win the game, but as a football fan, I was looking at it and I said, what are you doing? bring it into the corner they had two he had two players either side of him for for support okay he was not isolated he had players there and he was at the edge of the box all he had to do was turn around and play it out wide to that player he could have brought it into the corner the game was sought out he took a shot went to the keeper they started a counter attack went all the way up the other end and Yilmaz got a goal it was fantastic as it I wanted Lille to to draw or win well draw at that stage but at the start of the game I wanted them to win um, they're a club that I've always quite liked and they've developed loads of good talent and obviously after winning the league last year you want them to, to press on with that I was losing it I thought it was absolutely fantastic the goal 36 year old Yilmaz comes in and gets the goal it was insane and the crowd was going 90 it was absolutely fantastic and actually the game after that that I was watching then Coventry ended up getting a late winner and that was all scenes then as well. do you know it was just it was just like, yes, football is well and truly back. But they're actually going to be riding high on the back of that now, going into this this week. Whereas, had it just been a, a draw that they'd gotten earlier in the game, it wouldn't have done as much for them. But they showed, you know, it's one of those classics. They showed great character and they fought back, got the draw. It was a, it was a, it was a cracker of a game. But similar to Monaco, having not picked up the win in the in the first game week they're going to be looking for that win they're going to want three points they're going to want to start start putting some proper points on the board and start climbing up the table um team who did get a win in the first week was psg um so they're at home against strasbourg um this weekend the game they had last week uh being honest with you they were extremely passive they went one nil down and this was after i had seen um lille draw and leon had drew earlier in the day and then it was psg and they were one nil down apologies i should say i had seen monaco draw the night before and leon draw in the game before and then all of a sudden psg were one nil down and i was going is the whole weekend just going to be absolute madness and shock results and then they decided for about 10 minutes to play football score two goals and the rest of it was pretty passive then again Uh, but it just showed that when they clicked and when they went up a gear the, the difference in quality was just second to none. I mean, there was at one stage Mbappe got the ball and he started shimmying it from his left to his right and the, the defence were in a, in a spin. They were absolutely no good after him. So it was, yeah, PSG were able to turn it on for 10 minutes and win a match. And that's what they 100% can do. And in a few weeks' time when Messi is in that team, they will be able to do it all that better as well. Um, 
But yeah, so I would expect them to absolutely walk it against Strasbourg, being honest with you. And I think that they will want to play like they did in that 10 minute spell. They'll want to do that um, an awful lot more for the in, in an awful lot more in a match. Whether they could keep it up like that for 90 minutes, I don't know. But they'll certainly want to dominate the game. They'll want to lay down a marker. They'll want to say, we've got Messi. There's going to be more eyes on them. A lot of people are going to be watching the PSG result now because they've got the that, that global eye on them because of the fact that they've signed Lionel Messi. So I think they'll want to, to lay down a marker. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him put four or five past Strasbourg. It's just the type of game and the type of situation that you can see it happening where everybody knows that the, the world is watching. Leon are then away to Ongers and the early kickoff on Sunday so that's the 12pm kickoff on Sunday which is always a nice time for a game uh, to be on because uh, usually every other game is later than that so it's a good one to, to get on a Sunday afternoon for yourself um, but yeah Leon are playing Ongers and Ongers won their first game I believe Leon getting the draw last week again it's a case of you want to get that win in particular if we're looking at it if Monaco get a win if it's the case that um, Lille get a win all of a sudden, Leon are going, right, we need to stay with the pack. We need to stay with the pack and they need to get that win. Um, and the longer they go, if they don't win, whether it's a draw or a loss, the more questions are going to be starting to, to get raised about what are you going to do without Memphis Depay? Um, all of a sudden, he's not there and his goals and assists. Without them, the team's in trouble. Um, the team's in trouble financially as it is. There's talks re-emerging now of um, potentially Arsenal looking into Hassan Mouar you know if that's the case they're losing a fantastic player even if they're getting a bit of money in so you know it's just going to be it's going to get it become a tricky season for them and it's the type of team that you want to see them do well Leon are historically a very successful team in France and you want to see them there thereabouts but it's 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 much more competitive at the top of the league these days so they need to they need to keep up with it um and Ongers as I said won their first game so that'll be an interesting one to see how they go um and can they keep can they I suppose break the mold and get that get that first win of the season and then the team who I picked on a on a recent episode to be the team to watch in in league on for for excitement uh Marseille are at home to Bordeaux um again two teams who you like to say yes certainly at my age I remember Bordeaux being in the in the Champions League I remember when Marrow and Shamak was there and they were they were doing absolute bits so I always have a f- fond thoughts of of Bordeaux but Marseille I said they're going to be a great team to watch they're going to be exciting I expect them to do bits and on Sunday evening they had a game against Montpellier that was absolutely incredible last weekend and I still, I 100% stand by the statement that Marseille are the team to watch. PSG might have fantastic football and might be able to do it all and all these superstars and everything that goes with it. But I think that when it comes to excitement, Marseille will bring it. They were 2-0 down. They came back to win 3-2. As the game went on, Dimitri Payet started to turn on a a bit of a show. They got a a free kick where the wall was horrendous. Uh, You could have put an Arctic lorry through the the gap that was in the wall when they jumped um, that he scored a free kick from. And then he went on a mazy little dribble for the third and dug the ball out from under his feet and put it in the corner. It was a great finish. But if you get a chance to watch Marseille, if they keep up playing games like they did last weekend, it'll be absolutely fantastic. And the game itself then even had um, had a stoppage in it because of the Montpellier fans throwing stuff onto the pitch, which baffled me and I couldn't understand it. You're waiting to get back into this. Like, League One was cancelled um, when COVID first happened. So the 1920 season was cancelled. 
so you missed x amount of games last season there was no fans in the in the games i think league might have had some towards the end of the the year for maybe the last few games they had a limited capacity i think they still have a limited capacity but though at a higher amount now you're dying to get back to game and then you have these clowns in the crowd throwing stuff onto the pitch that nearly get the game called off you're dying so much to get back to a game and then you end up nearly getting it called off by being idiots it just it absolutely baffled me my tiny little mind could not comprehend it it was um it was something but Marseille against Bordeaux it's late on Sunday again so I think it's quarter day kickoff uh yeah I'm and I'll be watching it again that's how I, I want Marseille to play the last game every weekend and that's kind of going to wrap up every every weekend um aren't Marseille just made up of reject Arsenal players no no um only one um in Gwendouzi Saliba is not a reject um I refuse to have it said about him yeah so less of those comments dude uh Gwendouzi I'll, I'll give you that one um but uh yeah so look there it, it was fantastic to watch thoroughly enjoyed it and I would say it'll be a cracker again this weekend so league on I thought the last last weekend being the first of the top five leagues in Europe to um to, you, you didn't stri- you didn't strike a nerve just don't say bad words against Bill um but um, so yeah I think league on last last weekend being the first of the big five European leagues to to come back I thought they they the teams did a great job and it was a great advert for the for the for the league in terms of how competitive it was and the entertainment value that was there so yeah I'm, I'll, I'll definitely be watching it again this weekend hopefully try and catch a few games and balancing all the leagues and it's getting to that stage where i basically plan out my weekend on a on a friday afternoon looking at all the games across the leagues wh- who's on where when what game am i going to be watching and how am i going to see as much as i can so uh league on will definitely be featuring in there there'll be there'll be no doubt about that um i just want to have a quick then little chat about the championship i, d- I don't want to go into the full football pyramid in england i don't know enough about league one and league two i watch the goals show on a saturday night that i enjoy um but the championship i do always like to keep uh, keep an eye on um, certainly one of the most competitive leagues there and thereabouts and the other thing is that the championship in terms of its annual salary in terms of the value of the players that are in it and everything the support it's there it outside of the big five in europe it's not it's probably in the top 10 nearly um i don't think it'd be far off it in terms of um size of support clubs um value of clubs uh, value of players wage budget etc so it's it's quite interesting and actually there was a great stat on the euros if you look at the number of players from each league that were in the euros the championship was one of the highest um and doing in the comment there saying championships a very tough league it is you see it time and time again like when teams get relegated and bounce straight back up i don't even think they see that as an accomplishment they see it as nothing but sheer relief to say oh god that could have gone worse. And you've seen it so often. You look at Sunderland now down in League 1. And struggling to get out there. If you drop down it's so tough. You look at Portsmouth. You look at. Let's say look at Portsmouth. Barnsley. Charlton. Uh, all teams that were in the in the Premier League. Bradford were in the Premier League. You drop down. If you don't get back up it's so tough. You look at. In the Championship alone at the moment. I would imagine if I was to look at the league. There are so many teams who have been in the Premier League. And who are fighting to get back out of a Sheffield Wednesday? Another example given in the if, given in the chat there. But I mean, when I um, let's say Derby, another prime example, and you look at the the condition they're in, 
But it's just out of curiosity, if I'm to look at the championship table, how many of the teams have been in the Premier League? Hull have been in the Premier League, Stoke have been in the Premier League, Blackburn have been in the Premier League, Coventry, Birmingham, West Brom, Bournemouth, Derby, Fulham, Middlesbrough, Barnsley, Blackpool, Cardiff, QPR, Huddersfield, Reading, Nottingham Forest, Swansea, Sheffield United. All have been in the Premier League and they're all built up in the championship. That's how competitive it is to try and get out of there. So yeah it's uh it's not easy and that's what makes it so interesting and obviously then you get the suspense of the playoffs at the end of the season there's always going to be 10 or 12 teams at christmas who are going to be there thereabouts and fighting for those it's just fantastic uh weren't derby awful the season they came that yes they were they they finished with the lowest points tally of all time and i can't remember i think it was 11 points they finished with if my memory is right i can remember arsenal beating them five nil once um I watched the game back. Remember on Sky Day, you show the full game at like 10 o'clock at night. You could pick whatever game you wanted to watch and they would show the, the full game later on. I can remember watching it then. Um, I had been sick that day. Um, not like hungover sick. I just was not feeling well and I got a takeaway pizza that night as I started to feel a bit better and I watched the Arsenal game replayed at that time um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. So there's a random bit of information. Um, that did not need to be in there but these are the things that you remember and I'm pretty sure it was 5-0 Arsenal won that, that game by um, I think Robbie Savage was in that, that derby team as well if my if my memory is right but speaking of derby um, they're the early kickoff on Saturday and they're playing against Peterborough um, and Peterborough lost I think it was a 4-0 or 3-0 on the opening day of the championship season and was it last night or the night before in the, the Carabao Cup they got hit for the opposite of whatever number it was at the weekend because they've conceded seven without return um, since the start of the season between those two games. So I think if you're Derby, it's going to be a long season and it's going to be a tough season. You're looking for any any points that you can get. And I think they're going to look at this game against Peterborough and say, this actually could be a great time to get three points. I think that Rooney knows he's not going to be able to get three points off a lot of teams this season. They'll probably be fighting for draws at best in a lot of games. But this is one of the games that they can get three points off. Um, and if they can get three points, it'll it'll go a long way to helping them. Um, especially early in the season. All of a sudden, if you can just get a bit of momentum going, a lot of the youngsters who are in the team and they start picking up results, uh, you know, they'll be buoyant, they'll be absolutely buzzing. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, and Dune is going I remember when Derby were awful because Billy Davis was their manager and he was ex-Motherwell manager uh, for those listening who don't know Dune is a Motherwell fan and that's an interesting one um, some names there going back <laughs> but for Derby this season this could be a big game um, and again early in the season doesn't make a difference points at the start of the season or what they are at the end of the season this is a big one for Derby um, on stream the other day as well when we were discussing the championship I was saying who I'm not sure if it was during the live episode that I was recording or if it was before or afterwards when we were we were chatting and I said that it, I think it's either Fulham or, or, or Bournemouth were my um were my prediction for the for the the winners of the championship I think I think it'll be between the two of them and um typically neither of them won last weekend um but they're they're both away this weekend and and looking for that first win Bournemouth are away to, to Forest Fulham away to Huddersfield both looking for the first win big games for both of them um because other teams are picking up points so that'll be that'll be an interesting one to see and the the late kickoff then on saturday um actually works out quite nicely it's it's swansea and sheffield united and i don't know if anybody saw the swansea game last weekend or watched any of the highlights on it but my god 
they decided that they wanted to play out of defence under um, oh what's his name ex Norwich player Russell Martin um, is their manager now and they want to play out from from defence uh, which is fine but they did not look comfortable doing it they reminded me a bit of when Unai Emery first came to Arsenal and we were going to start trying to play out from the back and every time Socrates got the ball I was seconds away from a heart attack um, they I think was it 13 times was the stat that was given now this could be wrong but it was it was around that number maybe 11 12 13 something like that times they they lost the um was it blackburn they were playing it was it was 11 12 13 times blackburn won the ball off their defenders in in the game which is just frightening but it's entertaining if nothing else and they're playing sheffield united um and that's going to be on the delay kickoff on saturday that could be a good game to watch um it could be one of those that you're you're looking at it going, oh jeez, your heart's in your mouth the whole time and it mightn't be a comfortable watch in particular if you're a Swansea fan. But I do think it'll it'll be an entertaining goal because I imagine that there, or an entertaining game I should say because I do think that um, there'll be goals. Um, and I can see that Bloth has come into the, the chat there saying he's Irish for sure. Um, yes, I am 100% born, bred and, and buttered Irish. Um Liverpool, I am not a Liverpool fan. I am an Arsenal fan. Um, Dune is saying, what type of football do you need to play to get out of the championship? I don't think there's a right or wrong way, being honest with you. Um, we've seen teams go up by, you look at Norwich um, going up last season and the first time they went up by playing football and I put that in, in, uh, in inverted commas. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at the chat. Barca fans can cry here. Y- you can cry here. I'll be honest with you. You're you're, you're more than happy to, to come in here and cry. Uh but I've no sympathy um, and I blame Bartomeu for the whole thing. I, I feel sorry for the fans of the club, but Bartomeu absolutely ran it into the ground with the spending and the Barcelona board and backroom staff and whoever's been involved in it for the past five or six years can only blame themselves for what they've done, unfortunately. Um, they knew this was coming. You knew that it was going to be a case of looking at the finances. Every season, La Liga do this for wage limits. It was always going to catch up with you, unfortunately. And it's a shame. And I wish Messi was still at Barcelona and didn't go to PSG. But how can you spend like that and think that it's going to it's going to be sustainable for the long term and offering the wages that they did? Oh, breaks your breaks your heart. Uh, his brother on a company for airports. But, but there you have it. There you have it. So the championship, Swansea Sheffield United late kickoff. That could be the game to watch. Um, I would expect there to be goals in that game because as bad as Swansea were at the back, yes, they were very very good going forward. Um, so it could be it could be an interesting one. So just before we uh, we wrap up there this evening, I'm just going to bounce around some of the other leagues um, and see what we have there and um, have a quick chat about those. So the Eredivisie, that's kicking off this weekend as well. I had a, I had a quick look at, um, at the games. There was none that really, really jumped out. There was nothing like a, a PSV versus Ajax game or anything like that. So nothing really jumped out at me there. Um, I had a look at the Portuguese league, which kicked off last weekend. Um, I watched a bit of the Porto game. But interestingly, um, there was no draws in the first game uh, first uh, weekend of the league there was every every game had a winner and a loser which I thought was quite interesting to see a league table where half the teams were on three points and the other half were on zero it was just quite unique to see but this weekend um, Braga playing Sporting um, so that, uh, that I can't remember the, the exact time but that could be an interesting fixture um, if that's on to, to watch Braga Sporting could be uh, could be interesting 
Um, there's no Scottish Premiership this weekend, obviously. With the, so the League Cup is on. Um, I think Rangers are playing Dunfermline tomorrow night, but the majority of the games are actually on on Sunday because of the European football. Um, that's been on tonight, basically. Um, and I think of those results, just to, to go over it, because a lot of the games were were live while we started. Just looking, Celtic got a three nil win. Um, St. Johnston, to be fair, gave Galatasaray a game unlucky. Uh, they got knocked out. They lost four two. Um, I saw that Hibs lost earlier. Um, they went out. I think it was four one in the end. They lost. Um, just looking at it, yeah, to um, Rijeka, the the Croatian team. They lost four one. Um, but Aberdeen have advanced. So Aberdeen and Celtic through to the next round. So that's or of their respective competitions. Um, so that's interesting. There was an Irish team got through as well, Shamrock Rovers, which was which was great to see. And Dundalk were unlucky against Vitesse, which was. Which was something, but um, yeah. So that's why the majority of those uh, Scottish League Cup games are on the Sunday, and um, Celtic and Hearts is one of those games that could be an interesting one. Probably the 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 game of it. Uh, Dundee and Motherwell as well. Dune is saying there, um, but yeah, I reckon that I reckon Celtic and Hearts might be a bad game, but Scottish League Cup. How much is it? How much weight is on it? I I, I suppose if you if you want to be getting through does it give an option into Europe potentially if you win it or does it get you into the qualifiers like does it take it off the league I don't know um, if I'm being truthful but I think if you're Celtic you're definitely going to want to win it if you don't think you're going to be getting there with the league and I think that the likes of um, Aberdeen and that should definitely be going for it you want to see teams like that winning it um, so yeah I, that'll be an interesting one as well to, to keep an eye on so look thanks to everybody for, for jumping in and, and, and joining me this is my very first time doing the, the weekend preview which will be happening every Thursday all going well so I just want to say thank you very much for that and I hope to see you on the next one I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who joined me today live on Twitch during the recording. To those listening to this podcast later, don't forget to follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash where you can get involved in the live chat during recording and also on Twitter at into underscore row underscore Z. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next one. Schlange voll. Mm-hmm.